You're listening to the Manufacturing Ignition podcast. Keep updated with the latest news, recruitment advice, and hot topics within the UK manufacturing industry. Sponsored by Bonfire Recruitment, helping manufacturing leaders across the UK to attract the best talent for their manufacturing company. Ignite your business or career today by visiting www.bonfirerecruitment.com. Here's your hosts, Terry Mallin and Scott Buchanan. Hello everyone. Welcome to the very, very first episode of the Manufacturing Ignition podcast, hosted by me, Terry Mallon, and my co-host, Scott Buchanan. How are you doing? As a kind gentleman mentioned uh, right at the start, so both myself and Scott have been working within the manufacturing recruitment sector for over 15 years combined, all within management and technical recruitment. And over the past few years, we've been growing our own business, Bonfire Recruitment, to be the leader in recruiting within manufacturing across the UK. We specifically started this podcast to give an impartial view on the latest manufacturing sector news, discuss specific hot topics on a weekly basis, and give an insight into recruitment and people retainment. A lot of the questions that people might have, hopefully that we can answer. Going forward, we'll also be holding discussions with specific industry leaders and businesses to give you a real insight into our industry. This week specifically, we'll be covering latest news, a hot topic on autonomous vehicles, and our recruitment minute will be on a specific topic about the problems that people face within recruitment. We'd like to solve solutions with regards to problems, so we'll, we'll, we'll hit the, the problems head on first, and then as we go through the coming weeks, we'll go through the solutions to those problems. So without further ado, Scott, what's the latest news out there? Yes, well, well, thank you, Terry, and I'm looking forward to to learning more about the the automation scenario within cars. That that's certainly something that that can help uh, all of us. I think the the driving I've seen this morning. Um, <laughs> but moving on onto the news, I mean, um, yes, I was I was hearing that um, a, a good established business, um, Bell's Food Group, up in Scotland, over sort of halfway between Glasgow and Edinburgh. Um, are set to invest over just just under half a million pounds worth of plant, creating ten whole new jobs um, for for the new development of the site in in Shorts. Now, what our listeners may not be aware of, and I, th- I think this is a good example actually of of how manufacturing is evolving. You've got businesses that have got potentially a good reputation, a good brand, have potentially always had a good existing product there. Actually, developing that out into the modern, you know, the modern manufacturing workplace and actually out to the consumer can be quite tricky. So it's refreshing, to be honest, to, to see that, that this investment is happening. And, and um, if I remember correctly, Scott, I remember Bell's been in the news maybe about a year ago, and I think they put three point six million investment, and that, and that was to double. I think specifically at that time to double the, the pastry production facility, uh, the sort of the capacity yes. that we're looking to achieve. You're spot on. And, and I think over the years, I mean, that the, the, they've actually changed from, I mean, my, my um, showing a bit of family history here, that my, my both of my grandparents, both of my grands actually worked in, in Bells, believe it or not. But they've actually moved, yes, from, from Dykehead. Um, so so that, that business has been ongoing for a long, long time. And over the years, as a family run business, um, has slowly but surely, um, you know, evolving with the times. And I'm aware of the, you know, the the, the good food <laughs> that yeah, that business yeah. is giving there. I know, so. I know they do a lot of pies, pastries, and cakes. And I'm certainly looking forward to, <laughs> to New Year's Eve when I get my my bell steak pie with my mushy peas all ready for for bringing in 2018. 
it's a scary thought. And, and there's nothing better with, with having a good pastry or a good pie, um, having something to wash it down with as well. And I, I don't know if you've seen in the, the news, Terry, that, um, that the craft beer revolution, um, she's, my, uh, she's a, a fantastic in, investment, I guess, in growth within microbrewery. Um, yeah, there, there seems significant... I did, Scott, and do you want to know what was going through my head? Who drinks all that craft beer? You know, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll have a few bottles of beer at the weekend and whatever else. I'll never go out and buy craft craft beer. But I, I had, did have a look into it just for a wee bit of in, industry research, and I've seen that um, there's now over 2,000 craft breweries in the UK, which has rose 64% in the past five years. I mean, that's just remarkable. But once again, who's drinking all that? It's incredible. I, I found myself once in Scandinavia whereby I was looking for a pint and I was thinking a pint of a typical lager and I couldn't get a typical lager. And it, it was literally, you know, you could have cider back in the days when you couldn't get pure cider in the UK. And more recently, they've been very much hung up on the, the craft beer industry, which seems to have followed over here. So it's, it seems to be the way ahead. And if, if you look at companies, yes, you know, Innocent Gun, I think most people have now heard of also Brewdog, which seems to be taking over the world. And actually, quite an innovative um, way of doing business as well. Of you know, getting getting the funds in from people that are interested in the product, which is which is very clever. So yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Scott. I mean, Brewdog's a perfect example. Might actually go out there and, and maybe buy one or two bottles of uh, craft beer this weekend, actually, and see what all the hype's about. <laughs> um, I, I noticed specifically actually. But uh, moving off topic a bit to automation, which was tie into the the distillery and brewery industry as well. Um, ABB Robotics are holding a seminar at their Milton Keynes site on Tuesday the 28th of November 2017. And the whole purpose of that is to have a step-by-step guide to introduce robotics into the factory floor. So they're covering key issues like specifically what equipment you require, you know, how you go about storing it and how you go about operating it. So I find that really beneficial for business leaders out there invest in robotics and how to automate their processes, but actually get a really, really good insight into um, what options are out there. And how it will actually help them. And again, if you take ABB as an organisation, one of the, the world's you know largest um, well, manufacturers, R&D investment companies and, and utilities um, as well, you know, for, for them to be you know having one product back in the day to now be looking at being at the leader you know, of, of robotics and, and actually keen to help others. Um, it's fantastic, you know that that this um, keeps keeps uh, the you know the commitment to uh, to making things, I guess, a bit more automated and easier for the consumer as well. Yeah, and and a, and a topic a wee bit closer to my heart, Leonardo, uh, previously Celex, uh, uh, recruiting within their electronic warfare department. The reason why it is close to my heart is because obviously my background is all within electronic warfare having been in the navy for five years and 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 did my background in electronic engineering so i just wanted to get that in there because they're holding a careers day in luton on the third of november it's a great organization a great opportunity especially if any of our business leaders who are listening out there have children who are looking at graduate schemes or or any sort of apprenticeships or steps into a, a really solid industry then leonardo is looking Again, yes, um, you know, that's a business state, state of the art and actually has the facilities and the investment to, to allow that. But, but that raises another a hot topic as well from, from actually investment, whether it's on to, to defensive electronics or actually the attacking piece as well, which when you look at the nature of what's happening in the UK specifically, you'll see a, a differentiating factor. I think Raytheon at the moment as well, they're, they're spending quite a lot of money on developing their workforce 
it's all change. And I, I think certainly the, the likes of these big companies, such as Leonardo, there's the international piece as well, whereby, um, you know, from a candidate's perspective, you, you may want to, you know, your passion of it, you know, electronics and engineering and, and showing what you're made of locally, but actually the world literally could be your oyster for whatever specialism is in there. So not, not a bad company at all. And then bring us on to final P, you know, I, I read an article, what role is the UK playing in connected and autonomous vehicles, which is CAV vehicles? Okay. <laughs> Sounded actually, because this will bring us on nicely to our hot topic, Scott. But you know, cabs are expected to add fifty-one billion pounds per year to the UK economy by twenty thirty. Twenty thirty is only seven. Uh, what means that? Thirteen years away? It's nothing. Man, you're making me sound old, Terry. You're making me sound old. You know, specifically that will create three hundred twenty thousand new jobs. But if we're only interested in manufacturing, and you know, with this with this discussion, so uh, looking at it, twenty-five thousand new jobs are specifically being created within automotive manufacturing. Yeah. How, how do you feel about that, though? I mean, in all honesty, from an, an automation point of view, and actually, you know, the, 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 this investment that's clearly happening, you know, there's, there's cars there that can run in their own their own remit. I mean, how, how do you feel about How would you feel, I don't know, sitting, calling your Uber through and the car's doing it itself? There's no need for a driver. I know, I know. But I think um, I was at a, a web conference in Lisbon last October, and I was really interested to listen to the guy from Google who was talking about uh, autonomous vehicles and how actually Google's already had that in place for years. Um, they've got the cars driving about their facility. The whole reason why it's not necessarily went mainstream quick enough is because there's a lot of background behind that and the basis of, you know, how do you ensure those type of vehicles? If there's an accident, who's going to be liable? All that, all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of stuff to take into account before this can actually become a commercial product and actually be out there in the marketplace. The thing is, it's already been, it's already out there. It's, it's happening. happening. Yeah. yeah so it's just a matter of time. I mean, this will bring us on nicely. So obviously with regards to our hot topic being autonomous vehicles, when I was touching on employment there and actually creating 25,000 new jobs specifically for automotive manufacturing, one of the big concerns that are out there is actually it's taking employment away with people who drive lorries, vans for deliveries, whatever it might be for their day-to-day job, they may no longer be required. So, yeah, I mean, you know, end of the day, it's coming in one hand and get out the other. I mean, what's your thoughts, Scott? Well, I would relate it to, to my experience recently in a, a nameless supermarket um, where, where I, I've moved house to um, is a suburb of, of the city, obviously, and um, the, the, the local shop doesn't actually do the, um, the deliver, you know, the online service that, to drop off the food which is a pain when I'm working so hard at the moment, as you know. One of the, the, the conversations that, that I had with um, the actual shop assistant um, when I was asking when they were going to introduce it was that the initial immediate response was, you're going to do me out of a job. And actually, my, my immediate thought process was, well, how is, you know, all you're doing is scanning my goods at the moment, actually, by you know, who's going to put the goods into a bag? And then actually, who's going to drive the goods to my house you know, and, and I'm sure there's a thousand other things that need to go into creating that process and, and upscaling and, 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 you know, a variety of, of, of things in there. So I personally believe that it's quite 
I'm not going to say narrow-minded, but I think um, no one necessarily likes change. But in any of the, the industrial revolutions that we've seen, and actually, yes, I know that's an, a, a topic for another day, but certainly, um, you know, I think there'll, there'll be scope for, for actually development and, and, and actually potential for people making more money um, than what they're doing at the moment. Yeah, 100%. I, I mean, even just the, I mean, there's a lot of commercial changes that's going to come around with autonomous vehicles as well. There was recent trials of a system called platooning. Have you ever heard of that? Platooning? No, what's that? So if you picture you're going down the M6, you've got all trucks and vans and whatever else down there commercially taking whatever goods it might be from the manufacturing facilities that, that we work with. Uh, platooning is basically involves autonomous trucks driving in a synchronised chain along motorways and it's already been trialled out in, in Europe. It will be trialled out in the UK soon because I know DAF being one of the manufacturers. Massive. Yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if we break that down slightly, so the benefits of that sort of system, you know, I mean, the obvious factors being convenience and safety. You know, that's 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 blatant because the trucks are able to drive extremely close to one another, far closer than a human operator could drive it. Or should be. <laughs> And uh, and they take up far less uh, space in the road, less congestion issues, and with all that in mind as well, they'll probably be more more fuel efficient as well. You've not got that hard footed lorry driver hitting the accelerator and brake, you know. So putting all that together will also cost haulage firms far less to run petrol and emitting far less gases and and particulates into the atmosphere. Which is a benefit for all of us. I, I guess I wonder how that's going to impact on, I don't know, you know, obviously there'll, there'll be more space in the roads, arguably. I wonder if that, if they'd put time restraints in that, maybe only at night, whereby they can do that. And then whether that would be, yeah. you know, you could actually control, you know, you could almost control the traffic levels more so than, than what you can do at the moment. I mean, I think, I think a big part of that is that's just uh, autonomous HGVs, i.e. the trucks and lorries that we see in the road. I think the, one of the biggest problems with traffic levels on, on the UK roads currently is this the light vans because they obviously the boom that's been happening in online shopping. I mean, I'm bad for it. I'll go into Amazon and I'll have my delivery prime next day. It still blows my mind. You can now get Amazon now, which delivers within two hours, shopping at your door within two hours. I mean, it's and I think they're in conjunction with Morrison's at the moment, but that opens up another can of worms because they recently acquired Whole Foods. So I think, you know, the bigger picture for Amazon is actually using autonomous vehicles through Whole Foods to make these deliveries so that, you know, like yourself, Scott, that would be more, you know, happy with, 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 with your fast-paced working life that you've got at the minute, that all this is taken care of. And then Amazon's looking at different things like um, your quadcopters and whatever else to drop off parcels. I think... You know, putting putting it all together, quite interesting. This platooning, if that would fall into the light vehicles category as well, and there's there's potential for that. And and actually, just you know, tying on with the automation piece, I guess with with that in mind, you know, and Amazon has invested significant amount of money in the UK, you know, but actually a lot of the the product innovation as well, you know, not the product, the delivery of the product innovation, such as your the, the drones and so on you're touching on and, and actually having the capacity to do that. Uh, have you ever seen any of these warehouses, Terry? You actually seen the, the scale of these places? I have. I have. It's I've in, past the one in Dunfermline. It's incredible. 
it's absolutely incredible. And, and they've got the technology to find your your latest big pen, you know, the black one that you like, and actually get a robot to go and get that, you know, at the, the top of a, you know, the top of a... a, a you, you know me so well, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of, I mean, from your automation perspective, you know, platooning, you know, the, could you see this transferring out i don't know i mean that's almost like having a train in the road isn't it i mean would you would you take that one stage further to to trains i mean i know the glasgow underground for example it's it's been in a position to to run autonomously since it was built but but no one actually um would feel comfortable i believe sitting in a tunnel with you know that was the reason why there's always a driver hitting a button effectively but but actually it's designed you know to do it so where, where does it stop terry to get us up to speed with the latest within the autonomous vehicles, Jaguar Land Rover? Yes, massive company. Yeah. Oh, massive. I mean, you know, beautiful cars, all that good stuff. They've invested multi-million pound, re- and they've invested in a multi-million pound research project, which is focused solely on connected and autonomous vehicles. And from two, uh, 2020, all new Jaguar Land Rover cars will be electric or hybrid. Which which is incredible, isn't it? I mean, that's just incredible to hear. I heard that recently. Yeah, that's that's what's happening in the news, and and um, you know, I mean, I mean, Scott, it's even backed up with the government and universities. The government's put one hundred nine million investment into cutting edge automotive R and D. The University of Coventry, along with um, a big player in the automotive market, they've just built a multi million pound centre for CAV research as well. I mean, it's, it, so it's not just the, the actual manufacturers. One of the biggest manufacturers, actually, that's, you know, it's probably my favourite car manufacturer, <laughs> is Aston Martin. They've confirmed production of its first all-electric model uh, called the Rapid E. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's going into production. One that you wouldn't think of, actually. Scott, give me some guesses of a, of a company that, is not a general car manufacturer, but who you would guess would be investing in this type of... And Google, take Google out of the equation, that would be investing in this type of development. Well, before you said take Google out of the equation, I was going to suggest something like the likes of companies that have spent on their, their technology. So it could be the likes of, you know, a Caterpillar or JCB looking for different angles, you know, from their own business perspective. But are you talking from a, like a typical car for, for someone to jump in and run away with? No? No, I think you're on the right lines there. I'm thinking, I mean, it, it shocked me. Dyson. No way. Yeah, Dyson. Is that just for cleaning the roads as well, or will they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Dyson, two billion investment to develop its own radical electrical vehicle. I think there's something like what is it, four hundred heads over two years that are getting recruited for that specific project. So there you go, eh? They've had. They're one of the you know again a good UK employer that that is strive and, and toiled as you know you know the work we've, we've tried to do over the years in supporting you know Dyson and others you know Hoover as well in terms of of actually allowing them to to attract talent or actually have access to talent and um, that will allow all these these innovations to come to the fore uh, which yeah, is inc- it's incredible it's, it's I mean, fantastic Dyson some great stuff R and D and if we're putting the autonomous cars aside they've got that new hair dryer that's been out they've got the air conditioning side of it they've got their original Hoovers that are continually getting upgraded. 
Um, I mean, most people in the UK have some sort of Dyson appliance. So seems to be, and you know, ma- manufacturing is you know an R and D within manufacturing. You know, is the beating heart of the UK. You know, do you want to know what? I'm not frightened to take a gamble. They're not frightened to take a risk and actually go into new markets and develop that. And do you want to know what they're doing it well? And I think a lot. Of, you know, at the end of the day, not everybody's in the position to do that. But you know, as a company that's been growing, you know, they're doing extremely well. And I think that's due to the, the risks that they take. Calculated risk, but I think they do it extremely well. Do you know how much of investment, you know, that, that, that manufacturing actually has to the, the GVA of the UK? Uh, do you know these figures that have come out? I think it was the national statistics, um, albeit this, I mean, this has come back a couple of years now. I think it was 2014. You know, it's to the Scottish economy, purely for the Scottish economy, I'll, I'll cover the region shortly. It's, it's £14 billion worth of GVA. It's incredible. And if you take the the, the, the English region's um, together and and that this will be these will be different numbers and and this year once the stats are out it was 162 billion worth of of GVA um, which you know gross gross value added to, to you know to the British economy or the regions within that it's incredible yeah exactly I mean there's 25,000 companies that manufacture in the UK that all turn over five million or more you know I and mean, that's it's it's people say about British manufacturing I mean it's it's the core of what we do, um, and that's where our passion is. <laughs> Just to finish off on the autonomous vehicles, motorsport. I don't know if you've been watching any of the TV and seen the Formula E. Uh, I will see. This is yeah. Enjoy the racing, as you know. But you know, I, I, I had a bad experience a couple of years ago in town where um, I nearly get knocked over by, by a car because I didn't hear it. And I guess it's the same idea with the Formula E in that you want to hear the noise of seeing this car flying around at 200 miles an hour and you don't hear anything. It's a bit, I don't know, I don't know if I get it or not. How do you feel about it? I love motorsport, as you know, I'm really into my rally driving. I was actually reading, it must have been last week, and I was reading the latest edition, there's a rally magazine called Pace Notes. And in the October 2017 edition, in the latest news, it said, first fully electric car goes rallying. Wow. And this is the first time that an electric car has ever competed on a special stage anywhere, you know? So uh, for the Formula E side, I find it interesting. But actually what I find more remarkable is actually when you put a car on a rally stage and having to endure everything that goes through that, and people question the battery levels and battery power. Trust me, to go through a through a special stage in a rally, you know, that'll be, you know, that that's remarkable. So it's interesting. Um, um, it's a, I think it's a really good watching brief. I think it's only going to go one way. But hopefully that gives, you know, that, hopefully that's a good update on the latest with regards to autonomous vehicles. And Indeed. And I think the key thing that the, the manufacturers know only so well, which is one of the things that the, you know, that, you know, the likes of Kia have come into the marketplace and, and, and you know, and similar whereby the reliability piece of this, you know, we all want, you know, we all love our cars and, you know, if it's more efficient, better to the environment, can drive even faster. We're loving it. But actually, if the reliability piece isn't there or from a manufacturing standpoint, they quality piece isn't there actually you know how you know this technology um you know i know as you the the broadband situation that's always up and down in my office you know it's 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 it must be tough when you're in a a vehicle that's going over you know rally driving you know bumps and hills and water and so on that must raise some serious concerns for these guys so it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out 100 percent. i think it's important that 
you know, over the next year or two years, as this is more happening, the stability and the confidence of the general public on uh, autonomous vehicles is going to be paramount. Uh, you know, there can't be any mistakes in order to build confidence. And once confidence is built, then it's you know, then it's a uh, it's, it's wide open, and I think this is why it's taking a bit of time as well to introduce it. The manufacturers will want to make sure that there's no errors, there's no bugs, there's no discrepancies here to make sure that once these cars are introduced to the consumer, the full confidence is behind that. And actually, having it in the front of motorsports is only going to grow confidence, it's a great marketing tool. And actually, for people to see electric cars going through Monza in Italy or, or going through a special stage on a rally. It's only going to grow confidence, which is only going to play into the the hands of, of the companies selling these type of vehicles in future and actually for it to become a part of uh, our economy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, it's, I think with all the grants that are available from the, from the UK government as well, you know, for, for investing in, you know, the, you, you know, R&D within manufacturing, you know, it's, uh, I, I wish I had a good idea to, to come up with to, to try and develop something. What we'll do is we'll touch we'll touch back in that, Scott, maybe middle of next year on one of the later podcasts and we'll give a further update on what's going on in autonomous vehicles. <laughs> Sounds like a plan, Terry. Sounds like a plan. Next, we'll go on to our, our recruitment uh, minute. So over the coming episodes, we will be going through the problems and solutions we're experiencing within manufacturing in terms of business leaders recruiting the best management talent. My pet hate specifically, and I know it's Scott's pet hate as well, <laughs> is people complaining about staffing issues, people shortages are top quality lacking and and people within the their company are, are attracting to the company. I can assure you there's plenty of talent out there and we are going to discuss with you how to go and get it to grow your business. Uh, we intend to give you a full breakdown of our seven-step bonfire talent system um, over the coming podcast. Firstly, though, we need to understand the problems before we discuss the solutions. Scott, what do you see specifically as some of the problems that business leaders face in terms of recruiting people within their manufacturing business or retaining people? Yeah, I think that the biggest challenge, and, and, and there's a variety of answers to that question, Terry, but I think um, being open and honest with themselves and their, their, their own company in terms of actually what problems they have in relation to their staffing. I think there's a lot of leaders out there that actually you know, can look at a report and, and associate the number of you know production issue or you know whatever it happens to be quality issue that that um, is a reflection on on their business rather than actually associating you know what difference would it make you know if I had a an E one member of my team that actually you know has could could bring value to a given problem I think that that is where um, the educational piece um, is is probably where you know can, can happen and and actually to be honest. That tends to happen in traditionally run businesses as well. From if you look at the more corporate structures, um, you know the bigger bigger players in the UK manufacturing market, and um, they've got some significant processes and some significant good things in there that they as a business will probably believe in. The challenge they have though is actually the others because they're out with the company or maybe don't get it probably don't buy into the business as well as they, they may well do. Um, and thus, you know, the, 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 you know, they'll be knocking on our door. So I think that, that, that there's no straightforward answer to that question. But um, what, what do you think, Terry? I mean, what have you been seeing recently from, from what's coming through your hands? And, and so your- so I, I think there's four significant problems within, you know, current manufacturing in regards to people, either recruiting people or retaining people. There's four, four 
specific problems. I'm going to go through two today, which would be the current management team. The second one, actual issues retaining key staff. And I'm going to hit these topics head on because I think they're very important. Next week, we'll go through recruitment processes being outdated and time and money wasted in hiring unproductive candidates. So that's the four problems, the main problems that I see. So firstly, the current management team. A lot of people that I speak to with regards to the recruitment needs, the reason is, is they feel their, their management, their current, certain members of their management team might be below par. They feel as if they might be beholden the company back, whether that be, say, operational management. They just feel that operational efficiency is very low, um, and that's due to the person that's heading that up, you know, who are holding back performance, they're holding back the growth within the site. That could be due to the drive and motivation of the individual or just the, you know, the experience and, and capacity of that person's um, background. They might, you know, they tend to feel as if they might not have the right mindset to lead their business through a growth phase. So the automatic, you know, looking to replace that person. They might feel that that specific person might not be able to lead the department, the team or the business on a journey of change or growth, whatever that might be. They might feel unable to effective. They might feel that that person might be effectively unable to develop their team, which could have uh, frustrations within the wider team below. I mean, the big question I've got, Scott, is you know, for for business leaders and and people who manage people within manufacturing out there, do you have people within your team currently or within your business that you feel that way? And then it comes back to the question, why? Why is that? You know, is that due to you, your management, or is it due to that person? And how do we go about changing that? How do we go about improving that? Does that make sense, Scott? Am I making sense? Am I just rambling? No, I mean, I know you. sometimes you, you have a, a, a talent sometimes rambling, but what, what you've said there makes perfectly good sense. And I think um, it, it ties in with the, the openness of the individual needs to be, you know, of the, of the, of actually open to the problem um, that, that, that you're highlighting there, definitely. And I think there's there's two ways of addressing that, and we'll go through that um, on, on the coming podcast. But I think the big thing is, is one of the big problems is that business leaders feel that members of their management team are below par, which is holding their company back. So why is that person still within their business if it's holding their company back? If they've had all the training, development, support, you know, throughout that, because that takes time as well. And it's trying to find that balance, isn't it? That, that actually there's, you know, the the, the 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 investment or the you know the coaching method and you know the, the element of the the growth of that business. Um, you know, but Terry, if you know if that was if that was any if someone was impacting in my business, um, and you know that they, they weren't, you know, the, the the heart could be in it or the heart might not be in it. But the, the actual growth of it um, was impacting in my business. I mean, why, why would you keep? Why would you keep them? You, you would either you would either try and find something else, you know, that they're stronger at for whatever reason. But you would you would try and attract that best talent. Surely you wouldn't you wouldn't try and get the same again. You'd want to try and get someone that, that can can supersede and you know actually take the vision that that, that I would have as a as a business leader. Do you know that way? Surely that's that's what you want to be thinking of. And um, I think there's. I, I, sorry, sorry for keeping on, Terry, but I think um, one of the, the the challenges, if you've done the same thing for a, a very long time, do you know that way it becomes a habit. So actually, even as a business leader, breaking out of that habit 
and actually going to, you know, EN other recruitment company are actually starting the process of actually saying, do you know what, we need to attract this type of talent into our organisation because do you know what, that is going to make a huge difference to our efficiency within the business and as a result, you know, production and productivity is going to increase and and these are the things that actually having a good cold chat with yourself sometimes actually um you know the businesses that we've worked with i think um yeah they, they seem to be doing okay now and i think you know there's a few examples where it's it's toiling and uh, you know it's the senior management team that leads us and and yet i think everyone's in their own world you know doing their own thing but actually you know simple things can go a long way and a simple thing can actually be a very simple idea and and all of a sudden um you know the, the business is growing again everybody you know the most valuable thing within business is time uh and actually being productive and what i find is with regards to business leaders retaining key staff within their organizations you know you're busy in the day-to-day you're busy on growing the business and looking at the forward strategy also spending too much time with underperformers uh, and that allows you to, you know, forget about your A players. And when I mean forget, I mean that lightheartedly. I mean, you know, the fact is a lot of people think, oh, well, Joe will always do what Joe's done. He's, you know, he's he's a top performer. Yeah, that's Joe. That's Joe. I'll tell you, you know, and and this is, hopefully this is a wake-up call for a lot of people as well. It's not that, you know, this is a very competitive market, especially for top, top quality people. And we need to, you know, you as a business owner or business leader need to be doing everything you can to keep your A players. And we will be going through that again in subsequent podcasts, actually how to do that and how to retain A players. But, you know, just to be quite blunt, you know, there's people like myself and Scott who are out there who are only interested in dealing with A players and only interested in recruiting them for the businesses that we recruit for. This isn't me trying to scaremonger or anything at all. More matter of fact, to open your eyes and really consider the talent that you've got within your own organisation and focus on retaining your A players. And what what you know what process of, of career development have you got in place for for everyone within that organisation? Because um, that's typically, I mean, reasons why people are looking, Terry. I mean, you know, you you've seen the CVs that we've had recently. I mean, there's some some significant talent there. Um, of organisations that I'm amazed actually to, that I'm sure would be amazed to, to lose their, 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 that you know key individuals within their team and actually the capability and you know sometimes what's in their head that, that would be leaving the organisation and um, that that's going to have a serious impact on on, on you know in businesses and uh, simple things I think actually just having a plan in place that, that is followed through can actually help help businesses um, you know keep their their, their key staff and actually. And again, not to be crude, using your own terms, I think um, it's why would you not keep, you know, it's all very well having A1 staff, but why would you keep your C staff? You know, there's an argument for, you know, uh, you need variety, I'm sure, but actually, why why would you accept second best? And, um, you know, I think that's one of the things that, that on, on the marketplace, which is allowing the talent that is available, you know, um, but why would you why would you want to go for second best? Exactly. So, so the, the Hopefully that's went through two problems that we see currently within manufacturing. We'll go through another two next week. But really, this is just to hit the problems head on. And then over the coming podcast, we will be going through solutions uh, and then going through the process that we can do. And that's to educate businesses on how to attract the best talent for their company, whether it be the branding of the business, you know, uh, how to position yourself better in the marketplace. 
you know, what talent do you actually need? How do you restructure your teams? You know, that might be increasing headcount, it might be decreasing headcount, but I actually can throw all that good stuff. Um, but the key takeaways from this recruitment minute, or should I say minutes, um, <laughs> will, will be certainly have a good think about your current management team and really think about what issues need to be addressed. But more importantly, think about the top A players that you've got in your, your team that you should be really spending that bit more time with and consideration with. Totally agree, Terry. So that brings us to the end of our very, very first Manufacturing Ignition podcast. How you found it, Scott? Certainly, it's very daunting. Um, I've got a picture of you uh, because um, you know we, we, we're, this is on on the radio or the wireless, and uh, I've got a picture of you here, and uh, you're, you're looking good today, Terry. You've you've definitely got the face for the radio. Hi, huh? you've definitely got it. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't agree. I wouldn't agree. That's why I'm keeping the voice behind the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to the second podcast, and I think yeah. there'll be some some topics and some learning curves that we can all, both of us, um, work on and, and see if we can get the audience and uh, continued listening and get the listeners up to maybe three this next week. Exactly, exactly. Um, so next week, we'll be covering the latest news over the past week. The hot topic next week will be the big buzz that's been about for the past year, which is Industry 4.0. Me and Scott are really going to dive dive into Industry 4.0 and give it in layman's terms what it's all about and how it affects you. Our recruitment minute will be specifically on, as I said to you, the, the final two problems that I see, which is recruitment processes being outdated and time and money wasted on hiring unproductive candidates and going forward we'll be holding interviews with industry leaders throughout manufacturing giving you a real insight into their careers and their business if you've got any suggestions any recommendations or any questions please feel free to pop us an email our email address is info at bonfirerecruitment.com to email us directly it's terry at bonfirerecruitment.com and scott is Scott at bonfirerecruitment.com. I think well, one last thing, Terry, just, just while you're there, I think looking looking forward to the you know the, the, the coming weeks, I think one of the things that we ask for from all our candidates and specifically our clients is to give us good, honest feedback on you know the the, the, the talent that we're presenting to the you know the given organizations. And I think one of the things that, that we are always keen to do is, is learn from you know any any feedback. So so please listeners, you know. Tell us it straight. Tell us the way it is, and and we will we will learn from that and and develop our, our podcast so that that the actual content is what you're looking for within manufacturing. Great. Thank you very much, Scott. It's been a pleasure, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Looking forward to seeing your picture again, Terry. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Manufacturing Ignition podcast. If you've made it this far, we take it that you enjoyed the show. In return, we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe while you're there and we'll catch you for the next episode.